Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids News. I am remotely, <laughs> not in the studio, uh, with Amy Ozpan of Amy Raptor. Hi. Hi. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hi. Welcome to our first post-studio new life podcast, I guess. This is our first time recording, so bear with us in our new technology system. Um, and we hope it goes well. Thanks for joining us. I know we were away for a couple of weeks, but um, in that time, we sort of figure out how to move forward with our podcast. And I'm excited. You guys excited? Yes, we have struck out on our own. <laughs> we are on our own, and, um, and we like it that way. But today, we thought we would jump right in um, with a topic that has been swirling around the past couple of weeks while we've been off, which is this deluge of parental controls, new devices for kids, Facebook privacy, again, concerns, all of YouTube, all of these ideas swirled into one. Um, so we thought we would tackle what's going on with YouTube kids in terms of parental controls, what's going on with Facebook Messenger, if you're using it, um, and the new Amazon Echo Dot for kids, which is their first dedicated AI product for kids even though they know the kids have been using the Alexa like crazy. So I guess that's why they've moved into this area, just like they built the Kindle for kids. Now we have Alexa for kids. Yes, and parents so, said, thank you. Thank you for not letting my kid order yeah. stuff on my Amazon. Right, exactly. Some parents said that. Some parents said, hmm, <laughs> why are they making this? So we'll <laughs> talk about that. Um, but maybe what we'll start with is YouTube Kids, because I feel like out of everything – the last six months has seen an incredible amount, even maybe the last year, of controversy around YouTube kids about the lack of good moderation for videos, um, what's getting through, what's being suggested, the lack of parents really being able to get granular with what their kids watch. And there's been a lot of high-profile articles about the things that got through. So why don't we jump right in there and kind of talk a little bit about what YouTube kids announced this week, which I think this is truly something parents everywhere have been waiting for. Um, and I should say, you have to be using the YouTube Kids app, not regular YouTube. This is not going to work on regular YouTube. Um, so one of the things they rolled out this week is that parents can select trusted channels. So you can pick topics and you can pick, pick channels on the app that you know are I don't know how I want to say it, fit your family's um, desires, <laughs> your, your family's, what you want your kids to be watching. I don't want to say good or bad, but just what you feel is appropriate for your kids. Um, you can pick things like Sesame Workshop or learning if you want to be more general on topics. And it should um, restrict video recommendations to those channels or those topics that have been verified, they've hired like thousands and thousands of human beings to now actually watch videos instead of just their algorithm. Um, so it should be a better process. You should be less worried about what's getting through. But you know, are they, wa they going to watch every single video? Because I know there was an issue before where videos were kind of um, sneaking in that were inappropriate. So are they claiming now to watch every video? No, you know what I think? No. I think what they're doing really is pushing this on parents. I mean, to me, this is just a huge scam. 
Because for four years, they've done absolutely nothing since they launched YouTube Kids. And even, Rebecca, what you're saying, being able to curate a, a channel, that's not even out now. It's not coming out till later this year. And from all the articles I read, they're basically No, this saying, week you can do a channel. This week you can do a channel. This week? You can't do – you can't – later this year you can handpick every video. Okay. You know what I mean? Parents will be able to handpick every video and channel later this year. Later this year, you can do the video things. But you okay. can do, like, trusted channels right now. Okay. So, like, you could say, Sesame Workshop, I approve. But okay. I think you can't restrict you know it what? to that. I mean, so they've been using these algorithms. The algorithms didn't work. People are getting, like, characters that their kids love mm. promoting conspiracy theories. And there's all these quotes saying, oh, we're giving parents absolute control. We're putting parents in the driver's seat. Guess what? They're using parents as unpaid labor and basically saying, parents, you choose. You decide. You pick all this stuff. And then our algorithms are going to pick that up and act on it, and we're going to use that information to help our algorithm. I feel like they're just not hiring human beings at all. They're saying to parents, you do it, and you do it for free. Well, they have hired a lot of people. I think it's too big to moderate. Like, the truth is, to me, this is not the TV we all grew up on with seven channels and your parents stick on PBS and, like, you, you know, whatever. I mean, if you flipped around, what were you going to find? Boring News or Donahue or something. But when there is... Yeah, when there are this many videos out there in the world, I think you as a parent have to take some responsibility if you're letting your kid go on YouTube. Like, this is the bottom line. We talk about all the time that you need to know what your kids are watching. I think the problem is your kids can, like, start somewhere and end up somewhere very different. And the idea behind YouTube Kids is that wasn't supposed to happen, right? Like, kids were never supposed to end up with the freaky Elmo Katy Perry video. They're supposed to be in this little walled garden and it was very obvious that it was not a walled garden that and it was that and i think not. that kindle free time actually does fulfill that like if you use kindle free time it is curated and you're paying a small amount a month so that they are really in a walled garden so if you're if you're that worried about it go for a pay service where they are actually curating it and not relying on algorithms right but the problem is um kids want YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Right. The problem is what you're getting then is Amazon's curation of what they think kids should be watching, which is great. I think if your kids are little, that is the way to go. I don't think there's a reason to venture into the YouTube space. I don't think you um, need to you, let a six-year-old go on YouTube, you know? I don't think you need to let a two-year-old go on YouTube. I think that's where even the bigger problem is, right? It's not it's, – I don't even think it's six-year-old. I mean, they pretend, but it's two-year-olds, three-year-olds who are watching puppy and baby videos and whatever, and then it's slowly – and five-year-olds, too. I mean, you know, my sister, one of the things this doesn't do, and it will later this year when parents can really select what their kids watch, but my niece watches these videos that would 100% get through because they are people who make videos of, like, their dolls talking to each other. So the dolls are playing school. or the doll, And it's not – they're not doing anything bad. They're not naked. They're not inappropriate. They're, but the way these dolls will talk to each other because it's a person doing it will get really nasty, like just bad behavior or mm. saying, like, you're bad and you're bad. You have to go sit in the corner now, you know, things like that, where then my sister would see my niece playing with her dolls that way oh, and was like, what the hell? Like, why? What is it? Where is this coming from? And she realized she's watching this doll play happening on YouTube and now thinks that's an appropriate way to play with her doll. Like, things like that, what are you going to do? Like, that is, it's child appropriate, it's this and that, but it's, it's almost like Disney Channel stuff, how 
inappropriate so much was, you know, how much, how precocious a lot of it was, um, like the sexual innuendo, like the weird stuff that would go on the shows where you were like, ew, I don't want my kid watching this. Um, but I don't know. What do you do? Then you turn know. off the TV. <laughs> well, look, I mean, my stepdaughter is a teacher down in Virginia, and they, she said that they're pushing them to use technology. The kids have tablets. Um, there's no controls, and they're supposed to be looking up these videos on YouTube. And every time she goes around, she says they just, you know, the next suggestion comes up, and they go down right. that rabbit hole. And there's, I mean, maybe YouTube should invest in YouTube education or something. Or, or well, they else. have it. They have actually a big education. I'm actually surprised. I'm actually surprised to hear that because most schools lock that down at the mm -hmm. router level. She said completely that's really not locked down. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a school issue. I mean, that's not even just YouTube that's like issue. A that's issue. like, I, yeah. yeah, it's like probably can, but it's definitely but within it's the school Wi-Fi. It's horrifying yeah. for teachers to come. But around there is and a YouTube a sudden... education. Yeah, but that's what they're finding. I don't know. That's I mean, weird. when my kids were little, I'm not even going to claim that that. I kept things off. Like it would, I just had different tools available to me. So it really was just plopping them in front of the TV where I could hear everything that was going on. And as soon as um, we got to the point where I could put a small device in my daughter's hand and put headphones on her and not have to listen to the crap that she was watching, she all by herself at like five stumbles upon Dora the Explorer which, you know, as I'm looking over her shoulder, looks like Dora, but then she holds out the earphone and is like, this isn't right, and it was like orgasm noises. So <laughs> when, when you choose to do this stuff, there are consequences. You're paying a price for being able to kind of say, okay, go, go away, don't bother me, I don't want to hear what you're watching. I don't think that we can put it all on the, technolo on the technology companies. Right. On so, the other hand, um, they need your eyeballs, and they are building a product specifically for kids. Like when you would put her on, that was regular YouTube, and that's sort of what happened. But in a YouTube kids app, there is a level of responsibility if you are saying this is made for kids, right? Absolutely. This is no longer regular and YouTube. No, I, I completely agree. And so if there were orgasm noises coming out of one of those videos, I would blame, you, blame YouTube 100%. But if it's just like angry talk that you don't really want your kid to hear, right? you know, I mean, where's the line? Like some parents might not have a problem with it. So once you decide to use that thing, you're kind of at the mercy of other people's values. Yeah, so I YouTube mean, is saying that you know YouTube Kids is for kids 12 and under, and YouTube itself mm -hmm. is for older. And they're basically saying, if you've got a kid under 12, they should be on YouTube Kids, and we have no responsibility for what they see. Which I think is true. As a parent, you you really should not be just setting your kid free on YouTube. Yeah, right. No, I you think we all agree all with that. that. It's just what happens once you put them on the app that's supposed to be for kids. Then, you know, how much responsibility do you put on the company? Like. You know, if kids are mean to each other in a video, I, that's if if it's for 12 and under, that's a huge range of videos. And I, I honestly haven't gone in there. I haven't seen how much you can control. You can what do it by seeing. age. Okay, yeah. that's that's good. But still, you know, you're you're going to give something up for the convenience of being able to mute your kid for a while and not hear what they what they're listening to. Right. Look, we all know that once your kid's eight, they're not using the YouTube Kids app, right? Like no. we all know that. That it's only as long as you can control which app they're opening, like you don't have regular YouTube on their tablet, you just have YouTube Kids, then you're fine. But a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old is going to feel really babyish being restricted to that and mm -hmm. probably won't use that anymore. 
Um, but that's any kid on any channel. That kid's also watching Game of Thrones inappropriately or, you know, or Gossip Girl or like, I mean, that's, that you, you're done. Like we all did that as kids too, right? We all watched totally inappropriate TV. We watched like whatever we could find. That's what kids do. Um, but I do think, you know, one of the things they're going to do is essentially let you as a parent make a playlist within YouTube kids. And you could later this year, like just restrict it to those videos. So if you favorite a whole bunch of their videos and have like 20 or 30 of them, you'll be able to say just this. Um, it's not going to suggest another video after. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is probably the best control of all. And YouTube Red, I think, if people did want to pay, um, lets you download all of it too. So if you had that playlist and wanted to download it and have it to travel and, have, and not have to use your data or your Wi-Fi, like, then you'll be able to do that with YouTube Red. So, can you use YouTube Red in conjunction with the kids' YouTube? Yes, I'm pretty sure you can. Okay. You know what um, I think they should do? I think they should become like Spotify so that, you know, if you've got one of those friends who's just perfect at curating those channels uh, and that playlist, right? And it's like, oh. Yeah, follow you know, somebody's playlist. You hear, I only let them watch this, this, this. And then you can just say, I'm following that person's channel. I think that would be yeah, awesome. That's- that's but a great you know, idea. This all goes to, you know, what you're saying, kids kids want to have the real thing. You know, if they're in front of a computer, they want the real YouTube and not YouTube kids. So uh, personally, I think something like the Kindle Fire for Kids, the little 7-, 8-inch Kindle mm-hmm. tablet, that's totally restricted. Like there's no option to go to, to something else that they can't have. That's perfectly curated, curated for kids. And not only that, it's got the um, Kindle Free Time that has the unlimited subscription, which you do pay for, but it's included. I think it's one free year included when you buy the yeah. product. So, yeah. And the great thing it. about that is that they actually do a good job of taking away the babyish skins um, yeah. when the kids and get a little older. Those are curated by humans, and you can say. And you can also search by character, which I think is really cool. Like if I yeah, wanted to cool. say no Barney. Okay, my kid grew up right. on Barney. So like, I would like to restrict and block Barney on this, please. Right. I mean, you can search a character, you can restrict a character, and I feel like something like that, you, you just, your kid has complete control over this tablet, right? But, but the controls are more granular. They're built in. They're already done for you. And right. they're also Which very complicated. Up. Like, I, I actually <laughs> spent like a week upstate last summer doing nothing other than learning how to use the different controls on the Kindle for kids, and then writing like five articles about it for Tom's Guide. So I'll link to those because I, it really was a lot to learn. They have, mm-hmm. It's so granular that it's not easy, but if you want total control, you can have it. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's like the other question. if you want to use the tablet, you just, you know, you log in as a parent and you've got a perfectly good tablet to use if you're on yep. right. I also want, so that's a perfect segue to the Echo Dot for Kids because the Amazon Echo Dot for Kids has free time. Um, so one of the things they realize is that parents love that control and with the Kindle for Kids. They love free time. They like to restrict the amount of time their kids can be on it. They like to know when it's bedtime. They like to have curated stories and channels. You can add the skills. You can restrict your kid from adding new skills by themselves. Um, They have a big curated list of kids' skills to start with, which was my big question because I think there are so many skills now in the skill store that, like, I I can't keep track. I can't keep up. Um, And then they built really fun ways that Alexa responds to kids. 
the favorite of mine is that when your kid says please or thank you, Alexa says, thank you for asking so nicely. <laughs> Instead of if your kid doesn't <laughs> saying, what's the magic word? Like, I'm talking about them. Like, does Alexa prompt them to use manners? And he was like, no. <laughs> she just rewards them when they do, um, which I think parents could use too because most yep. people scream and yell at their devices. Um, oh, my husband has purposely tried to say rude things to our Alexa just to see what it would do, and it stopped. Like, it, they, I think people used to be able to get funny responses or vague responses, and, like, they would say mm-hmm. abusive things, and it was a problem, and now Alexa just doesn't respond. They've kind I of feel like Alexa should be like, you need to check your anger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me you need to examine you why you're saying course. those things. Yeah, she really does. Maybe you could have an anger management skill. That would be great. <laughs> Um, but so the Alexa, the Echo Dot for kids, it's an Echo Dot with a cute skin on it, right? That's basically mm-hmm. what it is. It's the, same, the same thing as the Kindle for kids. It's basically a, a more indestructible <laughs> Kindle with a cute skin. Um, this is pretty indestructible, too. It has, it's super unintrusive, right? It's a little dot. If people don't know what that is, it looks like a hockey puck. Like, it's not the big cylinder that you see. It's the little hockey puck. And... You can, with through Amazon Music, so not Spotify, Spotify has its own controls, but you can restrict explicit lyrics um, so that that can't happen. But you can, and then you can, they have a whole bunch of curated kid stuff, right? Amazon has amazing kids music on their service. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that, I think it's $2.99 a month after the first year. And um, it's if also you're prime, a wonderful um, protection, you know, the same way they have on the Kindle, you know, the real big, mm-hmm. heavy-duty, sturdy thing. So they've wrapped the Echo Dot in that as well. So it's, you know, if it does get thrown across the room like a hockey puck, um, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but can you then take that off like you can with the, with the kid's Kindle and just have a regular dot at some point, or is it is the skin attached? Do we know? I don't I think it's attached. I don't think it's attached. I think it comes with it. Because that is the nice thing about the kids' Kindle. It's a regular Kindle. It's just in a, in a, in a really good case. Right. I think that's what the Echo is, which, by the way, you can buy a cool thing for your Echo. Like, you don't have to order yeah. the kids' one. Um, but I think the thing is with the kids' one is that it has all of this content, right? It knows it's a kids' one that you bought. Um, so it has parental controls with the limits, um, which – by the way, Google Home already has some of these controls, so I think part of this is also catching up with Google. Um, but it has a big thing, too, was also understanding kids' voices, which never occurred to me, but Alexa has trouble understanding kids sometimes because they don't always enunciate, or they might have a, like he said, they might call her a Wexa. <laughs> so now she responds to that. <laughs> um, it's interesting. They call it the Mary Poppins of technology, which which is why some people have a hard time with this. Like, right? I also think that's far fetched. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, also, like, if it could make my kids clean their room, I super would buy it. <laughs> like, it doesn't do that. Right, but it shouldn't replace. It shouldn't be like, hey, mom, read me a bedtime story. No, Alexa can do that. I'm busy. You know. Checking my email or washing the dishes. Yeah, but it would have been really tempting to say, okay, mommy read you the first two. Now Alexa can read you the other eight that you want. I totally would have done that because my kids would have gone on forever. It was, was, of course, just a stalling tactic to not go to bed, so that wouldn't be good. But, yeah, I can take a little bit of a load off. 
if Alexa says to them, sorry, your time's up, which is what you set it to do, right? right. Like you right, set yeah. the time limit on Alexa where she's like, no, it's 10 o'clock. It's time for you to go to bed. Did you brush your teeth? Like, you know, like whatever. Um, they have a lot of trivia games, which is kind of really fun. Um, and then they sort of handled the way kids might ask, like, where do babies come from, right? And she says, people make people, but now that's really a question for a grown-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, there's certain questions, I think, also about bullying, things like that, where they have the Alexa give an answer. She doesn't say nothing, but then she says, this is, an, this is you know, now you should go ask a grown-up about this. Um, so what an interesting job it must have been to kind of try to think up all the questions that kids might ask <laughs> Alexa. Yeah. Right? When think I went to the, um, but think about how much they know already that kids ask. Like, <laughs> Think about how much they didn't have to think about it <laughs> because yeah. they have all that data in aggregate, you know, all these forms, but they have all that data, which they said, by the way, I thought this was cool. So I don't know how many people have Alexas, but if you're in the Alexa app on your phone, you can see every single thing that was asked of Alexa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you have an Alexa Kids, you can see every single question that was asked which is kind of a good way to know if your kid's saying, you know, Alexa, what do I do if someone's bullying me? Right. You know, Alexa, what do I do if someone's bullying me? But it's also kind of creepy in the sense that, you know, are you going to spend every day looking to see what your kid is doing? I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, some people say it's like reading a diary. Some people say it's like, you know, this is – this is just not something that parents should be hovering over. I don't know, Amy, right. if, you, if that's something you would do. I probably would go in the app. I mean, sometimes I even go in the app to see, like, if my husband set a timer, you know, if he's taking a nap or something. What time <laughs> is he getting up? You know, that's how I can tell. Well, I think of it the same way that I think of, of all of this stuff, like search history and being able to check and see where my, my daughter physically is. I go in and I do it when I think there's a problem. I don't do routine surveillance because, you know, who cares? I don't want to know, you know, like every moment what they're saying. But if I'm noticing that, you know, maybe she doesn't want to go to school or she's not eating or something like that, then it might be time to check up and see if she's told Alexa anything strange. I think that's how about if you have a babysitter? If I had a babysitter, I would totally be checking. I would. You know, yeah. if my kid was asking questions about the babysitter or thing, I mean, look, people have nanny cams. People have, it's pretty routine now, actually, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's definitely interesting. And look, around all these things are questions of data collection, privacy, you know, that can never be far from anyone's thought, I think, and it shouldn't be, especially when you're dealing with your kids. Um, Amazon is very hardcore that they will not be advertising to kids. Um, they're, or using that information. Or using that or information to market. For anything right. other than, in, in, you know, kind of creating a better algorithm. But still, as a parent, you know, everything that you see in the app that your kid has asked or done, Amazon's got that recorded somewhere. But they said they get rid of it. Like they said to me, and they said you can delete all of it yeah. at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't think they don't record it and tie it to you. Right. Like under, like no one can go into your Amazon account and see everything you ever asked. Um, I mean, there's always that question of the listening that's happening 
underneath because it's waiting to hear its name, but it doesn't record, they said, until it hears its name. It's until wake you say up, Alexa. whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's wake up name or whatever you decided to call it. Um, Every time I say I don't know. we're recording it's this, mine goes off and says, I'm not I just, sure how that's to why I just, that. I just got <laughs> off and shut my microphone off on my Alexa. I was like, I oh, all, sorry. At the beginning, we all need to say, can you please mute your echo? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we should have said that. We should have like a warning instead of explicit at the beginning of the show. Like we will be saying the word Alexa a lot. Turn off your Alexa if you have one. That's a really good idea. <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting thing. I certainly think for parents who maybe don't want their kids using theirs all the time um, or would like some restrictions if they know it's in the bedroom, that specifically the sleep timer, like knowing that you can have it turn off at a certain time, your kid can't just go on and on, or that you can restrict it to things, that it has this curated library of really great stuff. Um, I would say why not? Like if this is, I love using it as an intercom. I'm going to put it right out there. I have a mm-hmm. small department. Mm-hmm. You would think we didn't need one. Totally need one. <laughs> it's like the intercom yeah. feature is so awesome. Um, it's like how I feel about my Sonos. Like why would I ever get some big wired speaker system anymore when you could just buy a Sonos in every room and it talks to each other? Um, and now to your Alexa, too. So I don't know. I would love to hear from parents who, who bought one. I think it's an interesting time of year for it to come out. Um, it's certainly not a Mother's Day gift. Right. So I'm not sure when people will be buying. To me, it's a big holiday gift. Um, maybe maybe or, kindergarten graduation. <laughs> or maybe parents thinking about being stuck with their kids all summer. Yes, this could be a fun summer thing. Um, Okay, and then the last thing is Facebook Messenger Kids. And I didn't want to go into it too much because I really don't think people should be using Facebook Messenger Kids. Like, I feel really strongly about it. I think in light of what just happened with Facebook and privacy and all these issues, there's no reason for your kids to have a separate texting app that's Facebook. I just don't get it. It's a backdoor way of your kids creating a Facebook account, which you are hopefully telling your kids they can't have until they're 13, and now you're creating a Facebook Messenger Kids app for them. It just seems weird. Well, like um, we always say, your kid isn't going to want Facebook anyway, so this is like Facebook's attempt right. to, to in, you know, get mm-hmm. them in there before they realize that it's not cool. Right, so. and guess what? You as a parent, they now know that you have a child this age, probably this gender. They know who you're approving as uh, people they can talk to. Like now they're it's getting so much information, information about you. Yep, yep, yeah. more about your demographic, more about what you do. Yeah, and they've proven that they are not reliable with what they're doing with your information. And I think until that's happening, I don't know why you would use it. But if you are, they announced sleep controls as well, that your child can no longer just text all hours of the night. They, they get shut off. You sleep mode. Um, so, and, <laughs> like, of course, in my mind, I'm like, why does your four-year-old have their phone in bed? Why does your four-year-old have a phone? Um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't even know why anyone needs sleep mode. Um, but... It's there if you need it, if you are doing Facebook. And if you are using Facebook Messenger Kids, boy, would I love to hear from you. I would love to hear about why you chose it and how it's working for you. And um, only if you're really using it for a kid, not if you're just some person who thinks it's great. Um, So that's that. That's our roundup of all the parental control news that's going on. And let us know on our Facebook page if you're using any of these things, what you think, if you've encountered any strange things on YouTube Kids, um, or what your dream product would be what you want in a parent control or AI or something, if you could design it from hmm. scratch. I think that would be interesting. Um, and also, my biggest question is always, 
do you even use any of these? You know they're all there, but do you ever set them up? Because <laughs> that's yeah, what I think is mostly the case. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I mean, I think if I had a kid right now, I would be the one that I would want to use. I mean, why spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on an iPad? Uh, the one I would get would be the Kindle tablet for kids. Me too. With the free time. Yeah. I just think and yep. that's the thing. Like, if you specifically seek out something that has all this stuff, I think you're, you're going to use the controls as opposed to if you're using something that has some controls baked in but you didn't specifically buy it for that reason, that's when I think that we probably ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so too. Okay. Um, all right. On that note, let us know. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? Okay, so this is so old. I think it's in like, I don't know, the fourth season. Um, And I don't know why anybody didn't just sit me down and make me watch it, but I have been binging Chef's Table. Oh, my God. It's so good. And it's funny because I brought it up at a dinner party the other night full of like foodie people who all had the total wrong impression of what kind of show it was. Like they would love it too. I think, I don't know, the word just didn't get out that like it's not, I don't know, I think people were confusing it with some other show that used to be on where like chefs would gather and talk. Does that sound familiar? Mm. Yeah, Yeah. It's not that. It's it's like really, really well-produced documentaries, each one focusing on one chef. And you know, all over the world, some of the episodes are completely subtitled, which did not do anything for my productivity the weekend that I started. Cause, <laughs> like, you have to stare at the TV the whole time. Um, but it is so good. And the funny thing is, like, I would not eat 98% of the food that they're talking about. Doesn't matter. It's just so much fun to watch. It's, it, it's, they're all different stories. You know, they're all different conflicts. They're all different styles. Um, it's just great. It's on Netflix. Binge it. Just reserve an entire, like, four days and just do it. <laughs> Perfect. When we get a heat wave. I'll add it to my list, my wait list yeah. of things to watch. <laughs> All right. All right, Andrea, you're you know, up. <laughs> you know, following fashion of following Amy and what she does, I just want to tell you all, once again, I've entered the real world. And on Amy's suggestion last last week or two weeks ago, uh, on Amazon, it was a great price. Amy said, do this now. I bought the Instant Pot Duo Mini 3-quart, whatever it's called, slow cooker, right yep. or steamer, blah, 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 Multi-cooker. blah, cooker And I have to tell you that, and I like to cook, you know. I, of course, and I use a crock pot, and I looked at this and went, oh, my God, what do I do with this? And Amy sent me a link. So this is my bite of the week is Amy's link. Uh-huh. Amy's website, which is Let's Start Easy Instant Pot Mashed Potatoes. Because, first of all, I've never made mashed potatoes myself in my life. What? Yeah. What? No, just don't do it. On Thanksgiving, we make sweet potatoes. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a mashed potato person. Oh, no, we would have bought you a masher as a, as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, there's so many buttons that reading this article with the device in front of the device, the, the cooker in front of me, let me just see, okay, this does this and this does this, and no, I should never come near this when I open the steamer thing or I will be burned. Um, right. So it was really great. So if any of you are starting out with your Instant Pot or are considering it, Amy will always tweet when it's on sale on Amazon. <laughs> and um, we're going to link to her article on oh, how to thank get you. You know, with the Instant Pot. And I was picture. one of those people. 
<laughs> I was one of those people who left mine in the box for months. So when I wrote that first article, I did it with those kinds of people in mind who, you know, they take it out of the box and they see all the buttons and they're like, okay, this is like flying an airplane and they put it back. But the truth is you can ignore most of the buttons most of the time. So, and you don't even have to make mashed potatoes. Like most of the article is just going through the different things and what they do. Right. So thank you, Andrea. Right. But I actually think I might even make mashed potatoes just to go through this process. But what I love are A, your pictures, and B, <laughs> Like, you clearly did research, too. So, like, you talk about you read a horror story of some other woman of what she did, and she put yeah. soup in the pot for the baby. You know, you'll have to read it, everyone. But um, it was interesting to hear all the information that you curated. So next week, hopefully, I will give you my first Instant Pot recipe. Excellent. Cool. I know, Andrea, mine was in the closet for a year, so uh-huh. do not feel bad. An oh entire year. I bought counter. it one Black Friday, and I used it, like, the next Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so... You are way ahead of the game. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Okay, All right. Well, mine, mine is Run Disney. Um, if anyone knows what Run Disney is, so Disney does these races at the parks every year. Um, they do – Amy's run them before. They do princess marathon, half marathons, 5Ks. They do all these things. You get off the medals. Everyone runs in tutus and wings and whatever. Um, but in honor of the Incredibles 2 this year, they're allowing you to do Run Disney at home. So it's virtual, but you sign up um, on the Run Disney site. It's called Virtual Running Shorts. And there's registration dates, which actually now is running through the end of June. And the first 5K is you have the whole month, so June 1st to June 30th. Um, and this is one Mrs. Incredible is running. You sign up, you register, you get um, a playlist on Spotify from Walt Disney Records. You get to exp- you kind of share your experience with the hashtag Run Disney Shorts online. They have a whole thing. You get a downloadable finisher certificate. You get a downloadable race bib. You get a magnet frame, and you get a medal. Um, and then you can do them every month. There's one in July. So there's different medals if you do, like, one or if you do all of them. And every month is a different character that you're running with. So you can obviously collecting these commemorative medals. Um, just take are going my money. To be really fun. Just take yeah, it. I know. It's. I think this is so much fun if you have, especially if your kids are at home and you want them to be active this summer, and they're like, Ugh, um, <laughs> I don't want to do that. It. I mean, to me, it's really, really, really fun. Um, you get to be part of these run Disney's without going to Disney. Now they are forty bucks a pop. Um, per person? Like yeah. if you're doing you it know, as a group, it must like be per person. Family. You know, they don't have a a family rate, huh. which is weird. They don't have a family rate for the real family. races either. So yeah, they don't have a family rate for. I mean, look, you could. It says non-transferable um, between individuals. I think. As a parent, you could just register your kid. Um, but it actually says races are subject to capacity limits because they're sending oh you a physical thing, right. <laughs> um, which is really interesting. But well, look, I'm guessing the non-transferable is, part probably is for the, the downloadable certificate. Like it probably has your name auto completed right. on it. So, yeah, you, you, right. you want to sign up in the person's name who's doing it so that they can have their name on the thing probably. Right. And look, $40 is not nothing, but it's an entire month of activity. 
right? You have this 5K, you have a thing. Um, it's fun. It kind of would have been fun, I think, if A, they had a family pricing, and, or B, if it went to charity. I think that could be really fun, like if they had had a charity component tied in. So you could have maybe $40 to register, but like 20 went to a charity of your choice, and so your kids could run for something else. Because a lot of times when you do these, not the Disney races really, but the 5K, you know, when, when you do those activities as a family, it's usually for a cause. Right. Um, and so it kind of would have been cool if they had had some time. Fundraising, you know. Right. So it would have been kind of cool um, instead of just $40 to Disney. But, um, but regardless, I think, like, if you've got a kid at home and you want to kind of pull some Disney magic into your summer and just going to one of the Disney parks is not happening, um, this is a really fun way. And there's pictures of the medals, and they're really kind of awesome. I think I actually might register. Because I feel like I walk to work every day, and eventually it'll be a 5K. I should post a picture of my Disney medal wall. Um, and I oh haven't – I, I did, like, a ton of Disney races for five years in a row. I think I did, like, probably a dozen races within five years, and now I haven't done it in a few years. So this is a good way to get back into it and get some more medals on that wall. Maybe we should get do those medals by group race. <laughs> we should. See, I would do it for charity, though. Mm-hmm. Like, doing it for Disney, but it, this is, I thought this was really cool. Like, I actually have been looking at all, a lot of their summer stuff, um, which there's – we'll do an episode about all the new summer That'd stuff be at Disney episode. because it is such a big family yeah, destination, and, oh, my God, like, everything that's going on is almost overwhelming. But this was my thing that I was like, okay, this is something everyone could do that's relatively affordable and super fun and – I don't know, you add some magic to your summer and think, and you know what else? The kids get that in the mail. I think that's just awesome to get that medal in the mail. Like there's something about getting something physical in the mail that no one gets anything but bills anymore. (laughs) That's really fun. And you can have a ceremony. You can have like a a medal ceremony where you put it on them. I think it's great. And it would be nice if Disney would incorporate some kind of charity aspect or, you know, help you to raise money, but nothing is stopping you from raising money on your own, telling people I'm running this virtual 5K give me some money for this charity and then doing it yourself. Yeah. And then share it with the hashtag. So then you actually yep. get to promote what you're, you're running for and your cause and all that. So anyway, that's my bite. Um, that is our show this week. Thanks ladies. It was nice to see you even if it's virtually. Thanks yeah. Amy. <laughs> Thanks Andrea. Um, Thanks, you can guys. check us out on uh, Apple podcasts, obviously parenting bites. If your subscription is lapsed, check resubscribe. Um, I know sometimes there's, with the new system updates, they wipe everyone's subscriptions, so check that out. Um, where else are we now, Amy? Radio Public, um, always on parentingbites.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash parentingbites. We do try to tweet under the hashtag parentingbites. Um, where else? I think that's it. That's it. We've covered the world doing that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have lots of good shows coming up. We'll have we'll do a Disney family travel show. We're gonna try to do some more shows in our college series too. So if yes. you have questions, let us know what they are. And until next week, happy parenting. Happy parenting. Bye. Bye.